What's up, Death Perspective listeners? We neglected to record an episode this week, and it was all my fault. I had a really, really late Saturday night, which turned into me waking up late on Sunday morning, but that's all right. That's all right. I still have some material for you this week. We are giving you a classic episode. This is the Tree House of Horrors episode from Halloween last year. We will be returning next week with a brand new Halloween episode. But since we really, really, really like Halloween, we thought we'd give you two spooky ass episodes. Anyway, enjoy. See you next week. Peace. Hello? Check one. Check two. Are we recording? 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 In the light of the full moon, the hair will rise. The eyes glowing bright and the cool brood will terrorize on. Death Perspective. I'm the Crypt Keeper, six deep in the mud bed. Quit sleeping just to speak to the undead. Necromancer doula. He's frightening. Lightning gets the voltage correct. With the stitches on his neck and the bolts in his neck. Is he the monster? Hey, 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 hey. If you invite him in, he would love that. The bat biting your skin to make a bloodbath. Alucard flux. Salutations, everyone. Boo! <laughs> Welcome to the Treehouse of Horrors edition of Death Perspective, <laughs> which we are now calling Death Perspective just for this episode. Gentlemen, what's frightening? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Izzy, what's good, bro? Man, I'm going to go ahead and keep it real. Uh-oh. For everybody who was listening last time, Izzy said he was working on sobriety. I'm still working on <laughs> sobriety. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real with y'all, y'all. I'm hungover as fuck. I'm doing bad. I'm doing BAD right now, you know? Mm. But, but, every step in the wrong direction is a step in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) A journey of a thousand miles begin one step at a time. (laughs) Hey, what what did J. Cole say? The good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) but that was that was definitely me last night going the wrong way anybody listening to the podcast um if you want to see your boy two three five dollars hit up my cash app eight universe eight that's y-o universe because your boy's going outside man yeah let me get some electrolytes some Pedialyte, some anything, man. Some, 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 some greasy food. Yeah, man. Izzy, Izzy needs an office space. Send a nigga two, three dollars, something. Outside of the work home that has some air conditioning. Hook your boy up. <laughs> I'm suffering, yo. I'm suffering. Hey, listen, y'all gonna have to forgive me this episode because I, your boy got a little cold. And uh, I'm gonna be coughing and I'm gonna be blowing my nose. I'm gonna try to edit as much of it out because I know y'all don't want to hear my sickness. It is not coronavirus. Just letting you know it's not coronavirus. Your boy's been triple vaxxed. 
But uh, yeah, so flux. You did uh, you did get tested, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I did an at-home test. Like, yes, three days he's ago. not okay, just God. gloating that he's certain because he's triple vax. He has been confirmed. Yeah, no, I had been confirmed. I took an at-home test. Uh, I was actually at work and I started feeling kind of feverish, so I went and bought an at-home test and then uh, went back to the to the office and uh, I isolated and took the test and I'm good to go. It's a it's okay, a little okay. it's a little bug floating around out here. Okay, flux. What's good with you this week, bro? What's good with me? What's good with you? I'll tell you what, man. What Nothing's up? good with me. Go ahead, speak on. Um, I'm, I'm just going to ramble off real quick. Mm-hmm. First, I'm coming to the beginning of a weekend to close out uh, a week off of work. But I took, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say mental health because I wouldn't have been that crazy if I went into work. I just, I just decided it was a little early. It was a little early they wanted me to be in, so... Um, so I didn't, I didn't go in this week. So that's good, you know, because I got to catch up on some sleep. And then also, also got a turkey and roasted that for uh, like four hours. My God, did you just say you got a turkey? Yeah, man, from the grocery store, man. Oh, Anytime okay. you get a turkey and, and and make it and put some butter around it and and, and you know get good clean. And uh, not in that order, but uh, <laughs> then you get it good and cooked. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. That's a good day. Okay, okay. That's right. I remember one time. I don't know I, if you know anything about that. No, I do. I do. But I remember one time, um, and it took a lot of trial and error for me to cook a turkey uh, properly. But I remember one time for Thanksgiving, we were having a Friendsgiving, and we had a whole bunch of people over. And your boy put the, uh, you know, put the butter and the herbs all up under the skin, you know. Had it legit. Okay. Turkey was thawed out all the way. Uh, put the turkey in, and then about two, about a, maybe an hour into. Now I don't. I forgot how long it took to make the turkey. This is about halfway cooked, right? I started yeah. smelling something funny. Went in the kitchen, opened it up, and my roommate was there. Boy, how about I forgot to take the giblets and all the in, all the stuff from inside the turkey. Wow. It was like, man. Ruin, wow. ruin the whole bird, bro. Ruin the whole bird. You know, you know that's that's that, that's really. I really should never be forgotten because that that's like the cost of making a turkey. It's like, oh man, I gotta do that disgusting part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta know, rip out all of his insides. But I you know what made, I mean? I should have made the giblet gravy, because if you make the giblet gravy, I mean, you need that, right? All that all that stuff in the bag on the inside. You need all them innards to make that gravy. <laughs> you don't know about that, right? right? That giblet gravy. Yeah. That's where it's at. I mean, you gotta have that. That's where it's at. You know, I'm not really a fan of the um the turkey in the oven, man. I like the deep fried joints. That's where I'm right. Keep it moist. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I really like any any. I mean, deep fried anything is hot. You know what I'm saying? But like anything slow <laughs> roasted is top tier. You know what I'm saying? I hear you, Joey, man. Yeah, what's up? Forget about forget about slow roasted meats for a second, man. I don't know if I can. <laughs> what's good with you? What's good with me, my guy? This weekend is the very first weekend of my liberation. My oh. my roommate, my former girlfriend, which is now my ex, has moved nice. all the way out the place. I got the keys. I have my own place all to myself. And oh, that feels, is good to hear. I got closure, and it feels amazing, man. It feels so good. Hell yeah! That's, I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I'll ever live with anybody again, man. I don't think I want to um have a. I mean, unless it's like my son or like mom's dukes want to move in, you know what I mean? But like. 
Yeah. I don't think I'll ever share a space with nobody, man. It's something to be said about having your own space mm-hmm. and being a, being able to leave the toilet seat up and walk around naked and uh, <laughs> and, poop, and poop with the bathroom door open. That's what I've been doing all weekend. Yeah. Okay. Got, okay. I got a couple right. invites. I got a couple invites out to like some Halloween type, you know, fest festivities, right? But yeah, I've been passing on it for a couple of different reasons. I had to handle all the rent this month, so that's one thing, right? I really don't have the money to go out like that, but also. I really want to just enjoy the space, man. I've been lounging in the living so, room. Hmm? So when you're not having the space all to yourself again, right? Yeah. Have you already redecorated and uh, made it your own again? My guy, as soon as she gave me the key and walked out, I ripped the couch covers off the couches. <laughs> I started wiping down the leather. I moved all the couches out the way and swept and mopped, rearranged the living room, put a color, mm-hmm. color change light bulb in there. I'm about to redo the rope lights in the living room. I cleared out all the cabinets, all the stuff I don't eat that she ate. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, man, cleaned out the refrigerator. Bro, I've been on the cleanest spree. It's, it's great. I'm burning incense. Yeah. I put salt at the doorway and burned some sage. Circular <laughs> motions. My keep the, I keep the, the energy pure. That's it, bro. I exercise the demons, bro. It's going to be nothing but good, positive vibes in here and my energy in here. I don't need nobody else's That's energy right. in here. You know what I mean? Exactly. Nobody's fucking with my energy. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, my, my vibrations is good right now, my guy. Yo, Izzy, what's going on in the world, man? Yeah, man, I, uh, I I wanted to keep it local this time around, and uh, I, I wanted to just talk about the United States for a minute. So this story comes to us from two journalists, Jessica Gunn and Kevin McCoy, and this story has been released to 17 different news outlets, so it's, it's not hard to find at this point. Mm-hmm. But in 2019... A Facebook worker created two profiles that were almost identical, except for political beliefs. So the staff member did this to explore how the platform helped polarize the U.S. Now, the staff member created two fake Facebook profiles. Both of them were Christian. Both were interested in parenting, civics, and the local community. Mm -hmm. One profile was named Carol. Carol... Is from North Carolina. She's a fan of Fox News, Arsenal, and the First Family. The other profile is named Karen. Karen is from the same city in North Carolina, but is a fan of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. So after the creation of these two profiles, the Facebook did what it's supposed to do, and the algorithms went to work, suggesting what the two profiles would be interested in. Liberal Karen would suggest that local news pages, liberal advocacy groups like Move On and pages that hate on Trump. Conservative Carol, though, was immediately suggested pages that support Donald Trump, which eventually led to strange pages like Donald Trump is Jesus and ones from QAnon. Wow. Yeah. Straight up, straight up QAnon. The radicalization, man. That's wild. That's the serious, man. That's serious. And that sounds unfortunate right away to anybody who maybe isn't radicalized on that front, mm-hmm. but is just a little in that direction, and then they're being pushed to be radicalized. Yeah, all they need is that little push. This was 2019, so this is right before the election. This is when people are needing information the most. You know, we have information about mail-in ballots going around. So... A lot of misinformation and more importantly disinformation that's mm-hmm. put forth by Facebook, it is 
it is seen and noticed by Facebook authorities that nothing is being done about it. Yes. So Frances Hogan, people may know her, she's the most recent Facebook whistleblower. Mm -hmm. uh, she gave tens of thousands of documents to Congress and the Securities and Exchange Commission earlier this year. And so this experiment was just one of the thousands and thousands of pages of information that she's given, saying that, hey, Facebook knows that it's doing this. Facebook knows it's responsible for it, dividing the country on these huge, huge issues, but they're putting profits before people. No, of course. Of course. I have to ask. I have to ask this. Um, this doesn't seem like a new issue. This seems like something that Facebook has come under fire for in the past, as far as polarizing people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I thought they made efforts towards correcting it, and like had in many ways corrected it. They said they um, did, and they they got into trouble back. I think during the election with Hillary, the Cambridge Analytica thing. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Y'all don't remember that Cam Cam Cambridge Analytica? Cam yeah. Oh no. <coughs> Cam camera jack camera jack of <coughs> God almighty damn God bless um, you man. Yeah so they got they got into some heat with Cambridge Analytica and, sp and spreading disinformation back uh, with the election of Cheeto Vader the amigo hater and um Hillary Clinton I believe it was <laughs> back in with 2012 Yeah well you know a lot of the technology I'm understanding preys on uh, well i mean advertising in general the nature of the beast it's going to prey on oh you know you see red lights and yellow lights and green lights and stimulates hunger in your chemical brain so we're going to put mcdonald's on these corners where there's stoplights it's, it's the same story being told through these guides of misinformation and they do have agendas those agendas may or may not be something that you're on board with so be well aware of where you're getting your information from fellas and listeners as much as I hate to go back on what it is that I said, <laughs> I know that I said I was going to take a break on Africa this week. I was actually going to cover Haiti a bit, and I think Haiti's going to be next week because the day that we released the pod, episode five, there were recent developments in the Sudan, and I hate to be behind the news, but I mean, that's the nature of a podcast, right? It's not a daily news show. But the day that it was aired, there was a successful coup in the Sudan. Prime Minister Abdel Hamdok of the transitional government was ousted and jailed by General Abdel Fattal Barhan, the former chairman of the TMC, and that's the Transitional Military Council. Al Barhan claimed that the coup was necessary to avoid a civil war because of civil unrest in the Sudan. Now, since this has happened, thousands of people have flooded the streets in protest against military rule, and at least 13 protesters have died in the capital of Khartoum. It has been reported that hundreds of thousands of protesters have taken to the streets as security forces have closed major roads and all but two bridges in the capital. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Civilian pro-democracy groups are attempting to organize a million-person protest and demonstration stating that they will not be ruled by the military and in the face of possible death that they are no longer afraid. So these people are like, man, they gung-ho, bro. The citizens of Sudan, they're tired of authoritarian rule. They're yeah. trying to military rule, and they want a civilian government, and that's the vast majority of them. And there's, like I said, there's hundreds of thousands of protesters. And General Al-Burhan is losing a lot of his support from high-ranking military officials because of the civilian uprising. Right. 
So the protesters are demanding that the military return to bases and allow Prime Minister Hamdok, the one that was jailed and detained, to continue to preside over the Sudan and, and government as they move toward total civilian control. Now, you remember they had a 39-month agreement yeah. to transition from a dual military and civilian control. Right. Let me make sure I got my, yeah, 39-month transition. It's supposed to be a 39-month transition. Well, the military has slowly but surely taken more control, and then they took the transitional prime minister out of power. It's crazy because it sounds like a, a reoccurring um, a reoccurring thing here in the Horn of Africa, at right. least, that the, the internet and phone lines have been disabled by the military, forcing organizers to use flyers, text messages, and word of mouth to spread the word of mass demonstrations. Wow. Now, because of this recent coup, the U.S. and other Western states have frozen tens of billions of dollars in aid because of the military's unilateral actions. The U.S. has spoken out against this violence, against the protesters. And the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is calling the military's, the Sudan military's actions unacceptable. So there's really no telling what's going to happen in this region. I think that everything is kind of up in the air. This is nuts, man. The people, the people are fed up, man. Yeah. It's, it's wild that um, in this transition of power, it's the people, like like we always say, it's the people who have the hardest and who are caught in the middle. And the military is the military is making these moves unilaterally, you know, without any without any precedent as, as far as, you know, how is this transition of power supposed to go? And um, man, without without a way to fight back. What can the average person do? You know, or, or even, or even, or the people as a whole—not even the average person, but the people—without a way to fight back and combat the military who has taken power, what can you really do? See, I think you you reach a point where, when you have a military force, and I don't know how many numbers they have in their military, but there's a human aspect as well to this kind of conflict when you have hundreds of thousands two maybe two hundred thousand people in the street protesting what the military is doing and you are a soldier in the military mm -hmm. at some point you have to ask yourself am i on the right side of this right you know and, he's right. the, and of course general al-barhan is he's losing support and he's losing support quickly right because these soldiers are seeing their cousins and their uncles and they know the conditions that people are living under they know the need and that's why democracy. people join the military. People yeah. join the military to escape those conditions. You know? Right, 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 right. And it, it could be said that some join the military to help keep control and order and to push for a more democratic society. Mm. You know, and I think we're seeing that. I think that uh, Al Brahan and the, the generals in the military, now this is just a thought. I don't know. I don't know the guy's feelings or his, the way he's thinking, but I think that they are, they're just on a quest for power. Sad state of events. You got to stay up on the Sudan story. Listeners, look into it. Uh, Google it every once in a while. What's happening in the Sudan? It's a very pivotal moment for the country, and they deserve democracy, man. If that's what they want, then that's what they deserve. They need voting. They need things to be fair. They need resources. Democracy. Yeah. So that's all we have for current events for y'all this week. We're gonna hit a quick break and we'll be back with high takes. Y'all stay tuned with us.
for listening to Deaf Perspective. We are back with hot takes. So this week, Flux had a recommendation that we talk about affirmative action, cultural diversity in the workplace, and inclusion. This is a very controversial subject. Affirmative action was actually created, I'm looking this up right now, by JFK. Was signed. It was signed in Executive Order 10925 on March 6, 1961. And it said it to take affirmative action to ensure that applicants are employed and employees are treated fairly during employment without regard to their race, creed, color, or national origin. Now, back in 1961, uh, that was something that was a necessity. Right? Something that was needed. And I'm going to push back a little bit on affirmative action, y'all, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that push back i am i am i'm gonna push back a little bit on it because i got a little bit of um a little bit of employment history that um has some some negative aspects as far as uh far as a ratio goes at the workplace Mm. it's going down when i well i mean i know for a fact like affirmative action is the reason why a lot of qualified applicants people of color or people of a certain religion or people that would have normally been discriminated against and wouldn't have opportunities had uh, jobs and opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? There was a corporation that I used to work for, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow up on the pod, but they had been sued maybe five or six years prior to me starting working there because a employee of African-American descent was applying for a position in upper management and he proved in the court of law during a civil suit that he was more qualified than his white counterpart that actually got the job. Right. So because of that, the company instituted somewhat like an internal kind of affirmative action where they had to, where upper management had to reach a certain quota of minorities in upper management. And it sounds like a good thing. I got promoted and I would like to say it was because I was qualified for the job, but you let some of my coworkers tell it. The only reason why I got promoted was because they had to meet a quota, right? Which, I mean, how the hell do they know, right? But that had me right. feeling some type of way, right? It had me feeling like, okay, so what? Is the only reason why I was promoted is because I'm a because I'm I'm a minority? Is that a thing? Yeah. Which I mean, it was whatever, right? I did the job. I think I did the job well. But on the flip side of that, when it was time for promotion again, because they had already met the quota, or because their quota was where it should be. I already knew if there was a white applicant that was less qualified that they would probably get the position. Yeah. Just because it was a good old boys club. And if you right. looked at, if you looked at upper management and CEOs, district managers, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen one that was a person of color or a female for that matter. That's what I was about to say, females especially. Right. So uh, that being said, they also had a policy, a dress code if you will, that was very vague in the language. It said, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of there will be no fad hairstyles. Oh. Mm. And what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. They went right? with That's, the hairstyle language. Yeah, so that, that was kind of left up to the discretion of the store manager, the DM. Right. right. Whatever, whatever I decide is a fad. Yeah, yeah, and it had to be a professional hairstyle. No, I think oh, yeah, that, that, was the, that was the exact wording, as a matter of fact. The other requirements were your hair couldn't touch your collar. At being a man, right? Your hair couldn't touch uh, your collar. 
and it couldn't it couldn't cover your ears or or your or your uh, eyes, right? Now I don't know if y'all know the texture of my hair, but my hair is a lot different from white hair, man. It don't it don't just hang. It it grows however the hell it wants to, and I got I, you know I don't fight it. Right. But I was literally getting harassed by my managers about cutting my hair. Time for a haircut, ain't it? Time to make an appointment with the barber, right? Right, right. No, no. I know you don't want to say what the company was, but um, what kind of work was it? Was it something that ne necessitated, you know, short hair? No, nah, man. It was. It's necessitated the word. Yeah, uh, maybe retail. Uh, it was retail. Oh, oh, okay. It oh, so it's just strictly okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was they, were, they were on some, we want managers to look a certain way, and the way they wanted managers to look was also not particularly black. Right. right. <laughs> not not very black. And, <laughs> and you know, it, it's, it's funny, right? Because, I, and I don't want any of the listeners to think that this was something I was imagining it being a good old boys club, right? When no, it's definitely, man, everything in that town where we grew up, man, everything yeah. in that town was a good old boys club. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so when I was like, working, I can vouch for. Yeah, what are you gonna say sure. to vouch to, to give credit to your argument? So when I was working in when I was working in our, in, in my hometown, I was a uh, I wasn't quite in management. I was like a like a team lead, right? I was working third shift, so we were able to wear you know whatever casual clothing. And mm -hmm. the what, the assistant store manager came up to me, and uh, dude was like, "Hey, I really like that shirt. Where'd you get it?" Right. And this guy was very overweight. He was he was very very big, right? And the mm -hmm. store that I got okay. it from, they don't sell clothes in his size, right? And he was like, "I want to I want to get one. Where'd you get it?" And I was like, "Well, I got this. I got this from the Gap, man. But I don't I don't think they uh I don't think that I don't yeah. think that's for you, right?" And he yeah. was like, well, "Well, why is that? What do you what it why why tell me why?" And I was like, "Well, dude, I mean, it's you're kind of a bigger dude. Like I don't think that they they got your size." And he was like, "Well, what what are you saying? Are you scared to say fat?" Are you scared to say fat? That would that would be like. Me, right? Are you fat phobic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he said that would be like me being, that would be like me being scared of saying the and then he said the n word. Ooh. And I was like, man, Ooh. come on, man. Ooh. Right, right. Like I was trying to talk to you like a human being. Yeah. Then you. I wasn't even trying that. to talk to you like a fat dude. Right. I wasn't even trying to be like all that. Right. You know. I wasn't trying to. Pinpoint I was just. I was. Just, I mean. I was just saying you might have to go to, you know, like the gap personally, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then it was another instance when I'd, uh, I I moved down to Florida. I got transferred down to Florida, right? And I was I was down there. And I don't want to get too deep into it, but there was like a social uh, a social setting where it was it was me, another member of management that was equivalent to my level of management. And then one of my superiors mm -hmm. was there. And the guy that was my equal, he came up to me and he was like, yo, I'm from... Ocala, we we keep nooses in our trunks, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? What? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I, got, I got my favorite, I got my favorite hanging tree on my land, and I'm like, bro, what the fuck? What are you saying, right? And then, the, oh, and then like, uh, you wouldn't expect it from Florida, but it's it's there. It's oh, very, very, much there. very much so, very much so. And then let's he, not forget Rosewood took place in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 1921. That's that's what 60 years after slavery was over. And then he looked to mm -hmm. um, he looked to my superior that was there, and he was like, "Tell him about it. Tell him about it." He was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We keep ropes in our trunk, you know." Cat. And I was like, "Damn!" So this is my direct supervisor, like getting wow. on board with this. My direct supervisor wow. didn't say anything about it, right? 
and I was in a very I was in a very peculiar situation because I just got divorced and I was living in a place where man the rent was expensive brother and I couldn't yeah. find a roommate I was new to the area and I ended up having to move in that supervisor that got on board with that racist shit and live with wow. him and coexist with this guy right and then, and then he would be the dude that was like, yo, it's time to get a haircut. You need to get a haircut. You know? And I'm like, man, yeah. and it's, it's crazy because I complained about it. I quit that company. I moved out here to California. Right after I quit and came out here, California passed the crown law. You know what that is? Uh -huh. The crown law is a law oh. that says that you cannot discriminate against people because of the texture and the styles of their hair. Yeah, yeah. You can't, nice. you, you can't, you can't do it, right? That that it's okay for black women to wear their hair naturally, right? And to tell you the truth, I feel like they have they have faced the most discrimination as far as hair goes, man. Have oh, absolutely, on, dude. You know, just because it's an expectation for you for you to for you to look like you, like you got white hair or to look as white as right. possible, right? As possible, yeah. as possible. Yeah, and I'm not don't don't think for a minute that I'm I'm trying to compare myself to the struggles that black women have gone through because mine is pales in comparison to the to what they've been through. Right, much, I think it's clear you're not saying that. Respect. You're saying the opposite of that. Much <laughs> respect to, to to black women, but when you know the struggle. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and then right after that, maybe six months, the company that I worked for changed their policies. They started allowing facial piercings, tattoos, uh, locks. If you wanted to lock your hair up, you could have locks, right? Mm. Beards and things of that nature, uh, right? Yeah. But yes, yeah, I considered whether or not I wanted to file suit, but I didn't. I was going to sue him, but yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not even going to do it because it's just going to be too. It's going to be too much, man. You know, uh, it's a whole thing now. I wash my hands with it. But that being said, affirmative action and exclusion in the workplace, I think, is necessary. It just seems like every time there's something that's put into place to help people that are minorities or people of color to be on an equal playing field as a white counterpart, the people that don't want change always find a way to combat that or manipulate it for their benefit. Right. Well, see, what you're talking about is a culture war. I want to say that personally, when I think of affirmative action, I feel like affirmative action is that definitive that defines, for me, the naivety that I used to have versus the awareness that I now have. Because, you know, we, we grew up in the South, and they would say, oh, it's uh, reverse discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. They would say it's it's racist, right? you know? Right. Affirmative <laughs> action, this, these, these black people are getting the jobs over, over more qualified white people as racist mm -hmm. in nature. Mm -hmm. I think it's so fascinating to think about where my awareness has come to understanding the nature of racism. When you say racist, it really is about power and the, the nature of racism within our systems. I mean, it originated from laws. That's where racism came from, first, first and foremost. It didn't come from the attitudes of the people. It didn't come from the frustrations of people with differences. It came first and foremost from a law and laws that began to create these emotions and these distinctions and these feelings and these attitudes. So then when we think about calling something like a law that tries to begin to even the playing field that you said, to call it racist, it's, it's really missing the point of racism, the lesson of racism and what we're supposed to have learned from it in this country. 
Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that affirmative action, I used to think that it was racist. I used to buy that. I used to buy that argument. Right. You know, like 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 that was fed to me, and I and I was like, okay, you know, makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. somebody gets hired for for the race, and not their, you know, that that's that's racism. Yeah, that's definition of racism. Racism is when you know somebody's treated differently because of race and race alone. Right? Boom, racism textbook. But like understanding the nature of the power dynamic and the the way that the power has shifted and tipped in one direction consistently for the sake of history it's not just a disadvantage i think it's like when you start to really learn black history which i think is really just american history the more you learn about it the more it would be a very foolish thing to say that affirmative action is this racist thing the idea the 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 level of injustice the level of oppression the level of degradation the level of inhumanity in terms of power displacement Mm -hmm. the idea of affirmative action is really just you know dropping the bucket as far as trying to tip the scales and make something balanced or even or whatever and and definitely hasn't accomplished it on a mass scale Mm -hmm. question here so I, i got a question for you so do you think that societal problems just manifest and this is how i feel the societal problems manifest in the workplace and companies get into trouble, right? Do you remember uh, Starbucks? How they, they refused the man to go to the bathroom in Starbucks? The manage, management did? And they caught a lot of no. guys Okay. So a guy was there. He was coming for a, a meeting, a work meeting. And uh, the manager said that he couldn't go to the bathroom. <clears throat> he was waiting on somebody to come in so he could have a meeting and he ordered his coffee. Well, they got in a lot of trouble and they, they were called racist. And uh, they were forced to go through diversity training for mm. that, right? Like, that's the fix for it. It's really a societal problem, not necessarily a workplace problem, right? It's not the corporation that's at fault. It's the way that we view things and the way that we've been programmed as a society. Right. 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 And I think that that goes back to what I was saying about language. Mm -hmm. It's where we really really need to discuss these things. We really need to, like, discuss identity. I I think American identity needs to be discussed in classroom settings. Sure. And when you when you begin to manipulate the language, then you really begin to take control over the the situation. I think. Right. For sure. How do you How do you feel though about a company? Let's Let's say um Let's say affirmative action does not exist, and we're here in 2021, and a company's like, Yo, I'm not hiring no black people. You know, I got a couple here who do their jobs, but this is a white man job. Do you think that that gives people, regular common people who spend their money, the opportunity to say, okay, I won't support this business because I realize they have racist practices? But the question is, how many other people are going to say, I will support this business because they have racist practices? And not necessarily in so many words. They'll probably say, you know, I, I will I will support this company because they follow traditional family values or some right. other coded language, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's always the language. Yeah, I don't think that America is not racist enough to not support something because it's racist. So we're discussing affirmative action, and one thing that I want to make very very clear is the fact that deaf perspective we don't really care about affirmative action, but we are diverse, right? Because we're all people of color, but I'm half white, so like we got the diversity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> On the pod. 
So it's not really something we got we got issue where we have to worry about. Listen to Deaf Perspective, <laughs> Spotify, Word. and Apple Pods. <laughs> well, he said. I, I just wonder if uh, if affirmative action makes it harder on the minorities who are in a workplace and the employer does not want them there. You know, and I also wonder if affirmative action makes it easier for employers to hide their discriminatory beliefs and actions. Yeah, I would say so. I would definitely say so. I mean, just like look at look at the case of my my former employer, right? That policy mm-hmm. that they put in place was to to try to dodge litigation in the future. It was a policy that they put in place internally, and it was kept hush. They didn't necessarily talk about it, right? So only management really knew the ones that did the promoting so, that there was a quota that needed to be met. So here's the thing, though, is that it's it's like the word policy. The root of the word policy is the same root of the word police. Mm-hmm. It's the same root as the word politics yep. and pol- in politician. The point is, this idea of politicking, it's, there's almost a certain level of insincerity within that. Right. Just mm-hmm. the idea of you're, you're, you're politicking. You're, you're, you're talking on some business level, politician type stuff, you know? Political stuff in and of itself does not represent the people. We want it to. The idea is to get it to. But then you're dealing with like these these corrupt politicians, these corrupt business owners, these corrupt industries that have been built on racism. And the, and the people who run it are not going to be people who are exceptions to these philosophies and principles. They're going to be uh, people who uh, completely represent it. So there's de- there's definitely going to be that pushback, you know, within within the community. And the, and, and, and when, when there's that pushback, it's going to be political, just like the attack itself on their uh, white supremacy, on their hidden agendas and their lies and their and their BS, the the attack that that is placed upon it with affirmative action is um, is a pushback. They're going to push back politically as well. They're going to they're going to they're going to code their language. They're going to reframe re- reframe the idea. Sure. They're going to uh, they're going to attack the individuals involved and make life very difficult for them. They're going to make nobody want to be a part of it. You know, they're going to do a lot of that. That's terrorizing. Right. You know, that's terrorist behavior. Right. I mean, but, in the same way, in the same way that my coworkers are those that did not get promoted when I got promoted were saying things like, oh, well, he only got the job because he was black. He only got promoted because they had to meet the quota. Right. That's I mean, it's it's really. And it, how is that supposed to make me feel? Number one. Number two. How do you feel as a person of color going into a company, working for a company Wanting to move up and seeing nothing but white faces at the top. Isn't that discouraging? To see zero representation of someone that looks like you at the very top. That's discouraging itself. And that's why I think, you know, you know, when I first heard of affirmative action and agreed with the with the uh, narrative that it was um, something that was racist. So the thing that that actually changed uh, my heart was a conversation with you, Joey, um, you were talking about how you didn't necessarily agree with affirmative action across the board, but that you did uh, believe that it was necessary for a season, for a time. And I feel like I could expound upon that with my current level of awareness and say that it's an idea. It's an, it's an approach to industry, uh, to battling you know white supremacy and, and racism within the industry, and ideas can evolve. And, and as such, 
principle the principle of, of, of affirmative action can also evolve as we learn how it affects you know the work environment how it affects the community how it can better affect the work environment and the community um, you know just just how how all this ends up working out in real life uh, once you gather information and also as time evolves you know because you know uh, maybe the in, you know in the initial phases it's like hey hire more black people you know uh but in you know in the long run it's like hey you know uh give more black people ceo positions sure give more black you know give more black people real uh real places of power uh positions of power you know a seat on your board my view has changed a little bit on on affirmative action since i since i spoke to you and when i said it was it was necessary for a season i think at this juncture to create more regulation as far as cultural diversity in the workplace and so we either need to keep it or keep it and increase it <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think that going backwards right now, especially because um, we become so society has changed and culture has changed. Right. Racists are coming out the woodworks and they're OK with being racist. And I think they were always there, but now they're not afraid to like rear their ugly head. Like before it was unsaid and they were keeping their racism under wraps and it was all covert. Now it's definitely very aggressive and people that you wouldn't yeah. even think are coming out in there. So, I mean, but it, you really, know, it really just shined a light, I think, on the racism, not necessarily created more, right? But Right, exactly, shine a light on it. Coming from uh, Columbus, Georgia, a place that is extremely racist, even largely still segregated, and then moving to a place like Tucson, Arizona, where there are no black people, <laughs> the racism still exists, but yeah. it's definitely different. Yeah, it's absolutely different. different. And and let me just say that I prefer that good old Georgia racism. Do you like okay. let, let let me speak, know? Speak let on me. that. Speak on that because I've got my own opinion on that. So speak on that, please. I prefer people who are like I don't fuck with black people. I don't fuck with you. Or I just I have these feelings. I'm sticking with my own. Don't I? I don't I don't like this West Coast performative wannabe unity you know what i'm saying but still have the subtle racism still have the same feelings and racist ideologies and assumptions about who minorities are i don't i don't like that because it's harder to tell who the real enemy is show yourself but still can't you can't you though Yo, yo, it, it, it takes time it takes a little it takes a little second longer See, but yeah you can definitely tell people reveal See, who they are man one of the things that we're talking about is the language again you say i'd rather have somebody just flat out say i don't fuck with black people you know i want to stick to my own but that language being commonplace within the ether and accepted as as an acceptable way of thinking versus you have to hide that i feel like as we move more into an information age i think that collectively we are moving towards an age of information and with that age of information comes a new understanding of what smart is and what smart is is no longer knowing stuff it's knowing how you know stuff which i feel like is fact checking and i feel like we're not there yet but we're getting there i find that the biggest difference between columbus georgia and oakland california as far as race relations go is the overall feel and knowing what is acceptable in certain circles right like in, in columbus racism is very in your face they let you know who they are. They let you know how they feel about you. Out here, they don't do that, man. And I prefer my racism covert, to be honest with you. Because I can, sti I can mm. still tell if you feel a certain way about people of color. 
Right. I don't want to be bothered with that. As a matter of fact, out here, I've seen more white people check racists on their shit than anywhere I have ever been. So you see somebody mm. being racist, a white person being racist out here, their own kind checks their ass and lets them know mm. that they're privileged, right? And that's cool. Because that's their job. Yeah. That's their job. That's your it, job. Exactly. That you is your job. job. You shouldn't be able to make me feel or to attempt to make me feel like I'm less without somebody that's just like you telling you you're an idiot. Yeah. Again, I've said it, mm -hmm. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're a racist and you have a feeling of wanting to be superior to somebody else, go talk to your therapist. Don't talk to me. That's not my job. People get paid for that. <laughs> there are cultural <laughs> diversity trainers, just like the ones that were hired by Starbucks, that could help you through your bullshit. I don't want to hear it. Right, right. Keep it That's away from me. Job. Right. There's no way that we're going to eradicate racism all, all the way. Right. There's no way. There's no way that we can eradicate ignorance all the way. But I can move to a place and surround myself with people that where I don't have to deal with it. Can, can I say something? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> not only are we not going to eradicate racism, like you say, we're also not going to eradicate racism by not talking about it. But I, I also think that there's something to be said about <laughs> forcing people of color or minorities into those conversations. Because these are conversations that we have been having for a very long time amongst ourselves, right? These yeah. are conversations that are very painful for us and require a lot of work and take a lot of energy, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we should be having these conversations, but I feel like it should be educated and enlightened white people or racist or former or, or yeah, white people should be having these conversations with people that are racist or have bias or feel some type of way. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless it's a person of color that actually wants to do that kind of work. Man, but I'm just saying that when issues are brought up with regard to race relations within our community, and people are speaking out about it against the justices, that it, that it can't be guarded as, we should just stop talking about it. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like, no, this is a conversation that we are having that needs to be had. Right, but, but I, feel, but I feel miss me with it. Miss me with it, cause I ain't, I ain't, I ain't with it. I don't want to hear it. When, when, when you said, you know, it's up to white people to check other white people. You know, you need someone of your own kind to tell you, hey, you're being foolish. I do agree with that, but I think that um, at a certain point, a certain critical tipping point, that message get lost. For example, with the uh, Black Lives Matters movement, mm -hmm. as we're seeing now, um, it's largely being hijacked by white people by rich white people who've never had any sort of struggle and just kind of you know pointing fingers at what is what they deem is wrong with society and wrong with america but um <coughs> our our voice is being lost in this cascade of white voices you know pushing this movement isn't that to be expected though that's kind of par for the course right <laughs> ain't it i mean am i wrong here uh, i mean uh, unfortunately so unfortunately so right and, and it's the thing, too. If you want to hear it from a black voice, you should have to pay for it. Yeah. Pay for it. Yeah. You don't get to hear my perspective and my views and what it is that I've gone through unless I willingly want to give it to you, right? Or you pay right. me for it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that being said, this podcast cannot and will not, should not be used without the sole permission of all three podcasters on this pod for any cultural diversity training at any corporation. If you do, and we find out. We're coming for that ass. We will send you an invoice <laughs> and demand that you remit payment immediately. Okay. 
So. Right. The deposit will be required uh, beforehand. Absolutely. Better let us know. Ahead of time. Cash on delivery. COD. Right, and that's what we got to say about affirmative action. That is what we got to say about affirmative action. Is there anything else either one of you guys would like to add? No, sir. I'm good. Do we feel like we covered that enough? Affirmative. <laughs> action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Deffers. None of you gave me a suggestion as to what it is you would like to be called, so I'm going to continue to call you Deffers. Uh-huh. Izzy gets sick of it and comes up with something better. But okay, Deffers, that is our hot take segment. Again, if there's any topic you would like us to cover, please hit the DMs, shoot us a message, shoot us an email, write a letter, fold it up like a paper airplane and throw it through my window. Whatever you'd like to do, however you want to get it to me, let us know. We'd be happy to cover it for you. We will be back with our music and media review section. Stay tuned to Deaf Perspective. What up, what up, what up? You know what it is. This is Death Perspective. We are back with our media review. Izzy. Hey. So, sir, you have been pretty on point with your musical suggestions. Is there any way that you can, like, not hit the target this week? Nah, man, that's all I do. I don't miss, brother. He's shooting like he don't miss. He hitting like he don't miss. I don't never miss. I don't never miss. Out here winning like I can't lose. (laughs) Yeah. For today's Izzy's Obscure Music Selection, mm-hmm. I got one for you, brother. Boom. Check out my boy. Check out my brother. Live from the UK, Mansur Brown. M-A-N-S-U-R Brown. Mansur Brown. My boy is a guitarist. He's a master of the lead guitar, bass guitar. This man's making beats. He's laying down tracks. It is absolutely disgusting music i mean the i i, I don't want to hype him up too bad but i gotta say it my boy out there acting like he's the new jimmy i just what? put it like that on on that on that guitar my boy is my boy acting like he the new jimmy do me a favor spell it again nancer m-a-n-s-u-r mansur mansur <laughs> okay and this is what yeah, I Mansur- every week is that when you, as soon as you say it, I look it up. Mansoor Brown. Three albums, I think. The latest one, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is H E I W A Haywa 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 Haywa. That's the latest album. I haven't checked out that one uh, extensively. I haven't studied that one, but the previous album, Tsotu, is the one I love. And I fought in love with it, the 2018 album, Shiroi. So, um, yeah, man, three albums out. The boy's making moves. He's uh, he's getting hella listens, hella follows. I think on Spotify, he's averaged 160, 170,000 listeners a month. Mm-hmm. So the boy's getting some traction, you know? He's, he's, he's out there doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you like uh, Alphamist, he's actually performed on various Alphamist records playing Check guitar. Alphamist. I've been running that Alphamist hella hard, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like Alphamist, you'll love Nessa Brown. You're already acquainted with the brother, you know? Oh, also, if you like Yusuf Days, D-A-Y-E-S, Yusuf Days, he's he's done a lot of records with Yusuf Days as well. So, yeah, check the boy out, man. He's, he's inspired. That's what's up. That's what's up. 
There it is. What you got? What you got for me, man? What uh, what, what regular degular? <laughs> nah, it ain't nothing regular degular about this one right here. I stumbled upon this one. Um, again, oh. it was it was a suggestion. Um, from Spotify to my wonderful <laughs> ears. There is a group also out of the UK called Blue Lab Beats. Have you heard of this? Either one of y'all heard of this? Nah. Blue Lab Beats. Really Blue Lab Beats. Now, to be fair, I've only listened to one album, and it was 2018. I'm not sure if the name of the album is Zover, but it's X-O-V-E-R. I think it might be Over, or maybe mm. X. I, I don't know. Either way, it is so hard to put your finger on a genre here with this right if i had to say one thing that it's most like i would say jazz but it's also like afrobeat but it's also hip-hop but it's also mm. lo-fi and i think from song to song mm. they kind of change they they're able to move throughout those realms very easily and fluidly right okay and it's really good in the outro one of the cats on the outro was was saying that these guys are not even 20 years old but i mean this this album like front to back man is the jam mm. if you haven't heard of blue lab beats zover i think is the album that's that's from 2018 this has been on my playlist I, I heard one song by them and it caught my ear and i was like huh i wonder what this is about so i went and looked them up on spotify and these cats are badass bro this is definitely something easy i think you can get into uh there's a lot yeah. of instrumentals on here so if you're if you're an avid li uh, reader and you like to listen to instrumental yeah. music while you read this is definitely the jam for you yeah man but check them out Give him a listen. Blue Lab Beats. Really good stuff. So, Flux, I think you said yeah. something to the effect of you saw a film or maybe two films and you wanted to cover one of them. Yeah. So, Tell you know, it. one of the movies that I saw was a, a recent film. Um, it's on Netflix. If you want to go check it out on Netflix, I believe it's a Netflix original. It's called The 40 Year Old Version. Version. Not Virgin. Okay. But the Version. The 40 Year Old Virgin. Version. Okay. <laughs> it's produced by Lena Waith. Uh, I saw her name, and yeah, I immediately was like on board. I wanted to, I wanted to see what it was about, and apparently, it's about this playwright who had been mentioned years ago. She had previously been awarded an award for being thirty under thirty to look out for. So I guess it's autobiographical, but it's also like a film that's you know like acted out. And it's got a touch of fiction in it. It's a drama, comedy, but it's also very autobiographical about this playwright who decided in her later 30s, approaching 40, to uh, reinvent herself as a rapper and to give uh, the 40-year-old female rap perspective. And I thought that was a really dope idea. I really like the idea of people in rap offering up perspective, you know, something that's mm -hmm. not typical from rap, yeah. but, but, is, but is its own perspective. And a unique mm. perspective. I always feel like, uh, especially when they when they break those norms, I can't stand it when I hear people say, "Oh, this person's too old to rap." I just feel like if they're older. They got some sort of you know unique perspective because of it. That's that's going to be valuable to hear in in a right. part. Well, they got talent and skills to rap. They got talent and skills to rap. That's that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was right on board with this film, and I was and I just enjoyed it. It was very it was very enjoyable to watch gave me a little bit of notion about this character it really got me in the mood to um want to write rhymes again and then i started hitting up um your boy izzy i started bothering him and started like um holding the gun to his head and forcing him Whoa. to write some mm -hmm. was it that serious so, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, did you, did you at least did you get some... his did you get his pocket change too? While you, I mean, you got a... <laughs> nah, man, just bars, sixteens, <laughs> man. That's what it's all okay. about. Okay. So you might be hearing some bars coming from the the various people uh, who participate in this podcast. Uh, okay. You okay. Know, in various uh, promotional material. Word up! That's where it's at. So Lena Waith, I love Lena Waith. As a matter of fact, right. while, while you were speaking about Lena Waithe, I was looking up her pronouns, and it is, it is she, her. So that's good. Right, we got that right, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I don't know, know everybody's pronouns, you but know I know hers. I hear you. I hear you. So, I know her. I don't know if you guys, I mean, you guys know, I don't know if all the listeners know that she actually created The Shy, the show The Shy. Yeah. Yeah, so if absolutely. Y'all, hey, if y'all have not seen The Shy, that thing is beautifully written. Um, she's a great actress, actor, and uh, she actually plays a character on the shy as well she's a genius man yeah the creative energy that flows out of her is amazing yeah Um, big fan man so i saw a film the other night did you know i did i did i watched dune on hbo max you guys able to either one of y'all able to see that i i was not but i've heard wonderful things i had never could wrap my head around the original dune okay do you know the original dune at all I don't. I have not seen the film. A buddy of mine, and I had not read the book either. But a buddy of mine uh, bought the book and sent it to me. He actually mm, he yeah. bought it and sent it to me. So I'm gonna when I go on vacation next time I go on vacation I'm gonna eat, eat that up. I'm gonna blow through that. Before you say anything else at all, can I ask this? Yeah. Was it easy to understand? Could I watch it and like wrap my head around what's going on in the movie? Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, yeah, it's very easy okay. to understand. The and I like the movie. I like the film. Um, it was visually stunning. It was cool. The dialogue was great. But <sighs> here I go. The only thing that I didn't like about the film is how it ended. Oh. I feel yeah. I feel like it it ended a lot like the Hunger Games because they're gonna do two films, right? Instead of one film, which I get it. You want to add more of the story in there, right? You want to you want to really do justice to the to the literature, and I get that. But the way it mm-hmm. ended just seemed so abrupt, man. Like, really? Yeah, it, it left it left a little to be desired. And I guess it could be said that that would encourage me to watch the second film. I get yeah. that, but I was disappointed that there wasn't there wasn't it wasn't more conclusive. They could have made the film where it could have been a standalone. All right, party people, deference. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to our loyal fans. Keep the comments coming in. We will talk to you next week, Izzy. Flux. I love you guys. Love you. Love you too, brother. All right. So we'll holler at y'all next week. Peace. 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 Hold on. I got to blow my nose. Yeah. And I feel like... One second. Sorry. To be fair, I warned y'all before the episode I was going to have to... (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.